Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Ministers are set to push ahead with the phased return to offices from next month. But what sort of Dublin city will many office workers be returning to? One city councillor has branded the capital a no-go area in the wake of the brutal assault on the Olympic taekwondo fighter Jack Woolley. Independent councillor Mannix Flynn says the fear on the streets is palpable. So many people are fearful of assaults. And many people go out there trying to figure out who's in front of them, who's behind them, you know, who's coming out of laneways, what they're going to face with people coming down the street, and how it can entangle very fast uh, into, a, into a row. So there's this fear. Certainly along the boardwalk, certainly within many areas of the city, there's a myriad of assaults. With street violence, antisocial behaviour and drug dealing spiralling out of control in recent months, there have been calls for more Gardaí to patrol Dublin streets. But is there enough manpower? Laura Leonard from the Irish Independent has been investigating. One of the guards that I spoke to on condition of anonymity said that he was just feeling burnt out, that numerous guards were feeling burnt out. Every summer, the businesses of Dublin brace themselves for antisocial behaviour, according to Martin Hart, CEO of the Temple Bar Company. We experienced, I suppose, a, a rise in, in crime and incidents and antisocial behaviour back in April and May. Those incidents, they were very much re- uh, related to the city reopening. You had a lot of drinking, you had a lot of gangs, you had a lot of youths in and creating a lot of problems. And what sort of impact does an unprovoked attack have on a victim? We speak to Anjali Sharma about her ordeal in St. Stephen's Green. And if somebody asks me that if they are coming to Dublin, I will say, no, don't come because I don't feel it's safer anymore. I'm Fiona Sheehan. You're listening to Independent.ie's current affairs podcast in focus. This week, a city abandoned, street crime in the capital. Manix, you've been, you've been around Dublin for an awful long time. What feedback are you getting from people about the level of crime and the atmosphere on the streets at the moment? Well, I think, you know, that the general population of the city, you know, and indeed people outside of the city have this fear and have this belief, you know, that Dublin is out of control. So there's a great sense of fear. There's a great sense of foreboding and a great sense of unsafety in relation to Dublin, not just the city centre, but quite a lot of the surrounding suburbs, you know, I mean, places like Hout, places like Malahide, you know, so the traditional kind of, you know, areas that would have been flagged up as difficult, uh, basically, you know, that is now spread right across the city, you know, in terms of uh, what is known as antisocial behavior. But that, that term is a term where we question uh, intimidation, crime, drugs, alcoholism, drinking, street crime, 
uh, begging on the streets, uh, assaults on the streets, and just a general feeling that you're in a hostile place. So people do fear for their actual personal safety on the streets. There's no question about that. But equally, they fear for their safety in their own homes, particularly when it comes to what would be known as, you know, estates, Dublin City Council housing estates. In there, it's basically, there's no rule of law in many cases, and it's completely out of control. The Gardaí will admit this. Dublin City Council executive have accepted this and admitted it to me personally. I've gone in there and I've spoken to many, many people who are faced with issues of gross intimidation, drug abuse, drug gangs, you know what I mean, and raves. And if you open your curtains uh, at night time and somebody sees you, you can get your window smashed in. So it's a constant sense of fear out there. Uh, and as I say, that fear is, uh, on our, is on our streets. One incident that has hung out there and, and, and really given a, a bad reputation is this attack on the Olympic taekwondo f- fighter, uh, Jack Woolley. And it just seemed to be a random attack for sport. It, it, it wasn't a mugging. It, there was no interaction there that there would have caused it. He was just walking along, going about his business, and he gets attacked. Is that what people are experiencing or worried about now? Or is this just a one-off incident? Or what, what did you make of that one? There's no such thing as random incidents. You know what I mean? Random incidents don't take place in that manner. There's always, you know, an undercurrent here. Uh, and indeed, there are those individuals who are hell-bent on going out and attacking people, or, you know what I mean, or gay bashing, or elderly bashing, or man bashing. There's lots of these folks that are out there in the groups, you know what I mean, like soccer tugs who used to go out to matches, hell-bent on trouble. There are individuals that are out there who are doing that. They're not interested in stealing money from you. They're interested in, you know, beating you up, as in the trolls, like, you know, of a clockwork orange, just kicking you to pieces. And we know this because we've seen this in our society. It is atrocious what happened to that sports individual, that sports person who was walking, minding his own business and left in a very, very serious condition. And that became a headline case. There are many such incidents in our city that are simply not reported. They are not reported. They are on camera. And just because they're on camera doesn't necessarily mean they're reported as a crime or the Garda Shia even take them down as a serious incident unless they're reported. So what we have here, we have cameras, more cameras than you have in Hollywood on our streets. But that's not preventing the crime. It may be able to detect who caused the crime afterwards, but it's not preventing it. So many people are fearful of assaults. And many people go out there trying to figure out who's in front of them, who's behind them, you know, who's coming out of laneways, what they're going to face with people coming down the street and how it can entangle very fast uh, into, a, into a row. So there's this fear, certainly along the boardwalk, certainly within many areas of the city, there's a myriad of assaults. Women in particular are assaulted in a verbal way, uh, in a physical way, uh, and intimidated. It's abuse. We have to kind of stand up to this kind of abuse, not just after a person is left with their mouth smashed open. It seems to me, and I am 64 years of age, I will have no doubt I was born and reared in the inner city. I was born and reared in blocks of flats. I'm no stranger to Angardishi Akana. I'm no stranger to the justice system. I would have a huge experience coming across that. I've been in all the institutions and I've indeed I've been in most of the jails. But the phenomenon that's out there now is not about somebody who is in poverty, who is trying to kind of survive. This has now become a cult. This has now become a culture. 
And the culture is not about, like, you know, committing a criminal crime. The culture is criminality and no respect for law and order. That's a very, very serious situation for our society. And as I say, it's not just Dublin. It's Limerick. It's Cork. It's right across. It's rural Ireland. There's intimidation. So we, we, we have a whole other phenomena that's taking place here. And we need to be able to deal with this. And if we have to bring in law enforcement from other jurisdictions, you know, this idea about the European joint venture in terms of security and policing. Well, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't deploy, you know, other members of police forces within the European context onto our streets to butter us up on Garda Shia in terms of cooperation because we cannot sustain this unsafe society. Martin Hart is the CEO and co-founder of the Temple Bar Company. His group represents a number of businesses within Temple Bar, promoting and keeping the area clean and safe for all who live, work and visit the district. Martin, what's your view on the level of street crime in Dublin city centre? Has it actually gotten worse? I think from a Temple Bar perspective, uh, and we experienced, I suppose, a, a rise in, in crime and incidents and antisocial behaviour back in April and May and into June, but that has since abated and it's more or less returned to normal. And, and that, look, that, that, that crime, that, those incidents, they were very much re- uh, related to the city reopening. You had a lot of drinking, you had a lot of gangs, you had a lot of youths in and creating a lot of problems. Um, we, we, we articulated that to the guards. We meet them on a very regular basis um, and they put a plan in place. And that seems to have, from our perspective and from a Temple Bar perspective, displaced that behaviour. So things now are the same as they would be normally for us. However, I am aware across the city that there are you know, there are, there, there, or there, 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 people feel that there's an increase in antisocial behaviour. And um, I think there's a whole range of reasons for that. I suppose there's a few things. I think particularly over in the north inner city, um, you've seen um, a lot of businesses are closed, like Debenhams, you've Clearies, you have the, the hotel sites on O'Connell Street. So there's probably uh, a lot of empty buildings or a lot of emptier buildings than there were. And, uh, you know, I think there's uh, there, there, there's certainly a feeling that, you know, perhaps they're, uh, they're, they're, those areas are, are less safe or feel less safe for, for people. Uh, I was only talking to somebody this morning that was in the cinema over the weekend on O'Connell Street and they felt it was a little unsafe um, compared to the last time they were there two years ago. So, yes, um, as I say, from, from our perspective, it's not as bad as it was. But, yes, potentially, uh, I think in other parts of the city, uh, people are feeling it. And, they, look, there's, as I said, there's a whole range of reasons. You have everybody and everything is out on the street. Um, you have an enormous number of you know, community uh, facilities within the city centre providing services for those with drug and alcohol and other issues. And, and look, they, they do a very good job, but the issue is there's a, there's a big concentration. So you do bring a problematic, uh, you can have a problematic cohort coming in. I'm not saying it's 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 just that, but that can lead or can lead to certain incidents, particularly around the boardwalk. You have a lot of people that are staying in, in you know, emergency accommodation and, and, and other types of accommodation because of drug or alcohol or mental health or many other issues. And, and they're thrown out of their accommodation at eight o'clock in the morning and they're on the streets of Dublin. So there's a lot of things. Now it's, you know, I think with the uh, the reopening of the city and the whole concept that the city was just a place to get drunk in was, was, was also something that happened over the last uh, 
three, four, five months, more so perhaps than, than was there before this. So there's a whole culmination of factors. It's not just any one thing. And I think people haven't been out and about in Dublin City uh, in a year and a half. And I think it's that, you know, people were in their suburbs, they were in their villages, they were in their towns. And now they're back in the city and they're going, whoa, you know. So maybe people are, aren't as accustomed. I mean, I was, I was speaking to, to one of your guys last week about this. I mean, I'm in the city 22 years. And um, for me, I see very little difference. Um, I mean, every summer there's an increase in antisocial behaviour because people come out um, and, you know, there's, you know, guards tend to run an operation around it and it, it, it tends to displace it. And that's all you're doing. So maybe the fact that we have less issues, maybe we've displaced our issues to another part of the city. Lauren from the Irish Independent, you've been researching and writing about street crime uh, quite a bit recently, and we have we've seen this surge in the in in Dublin city in in particular. You've been speaking to members of the Gardaí on the beat on condition of anonymity. What what kind of picture have they been presenting to you about what what it's like there at the moment? Well, during lockdown. Antisocial behaviour seemed to get a lot worse, particularly in the North City. So actually around the Irish Independent offices on Talbot Street, um, down O'Connell Street, um, all around the North City. Um, I don't know why that happened, but something sparked it. And I guess there was less people in the city and people, some people were taking advantage of that. The guards that I spoke to said that... Um, Due to certain COVID issues, like, for example, the doll getting moved to the convention centre, policing was getting moved from the city centre to other places like that, which then put pressure points in the city centre. For example, the boardwalk where Jack Woolley recently got assaulted, that's a known antisocial hotspot. So there there would have been less policing around there because policing was getting put into different resources. Um... One of the guards that I spoke to on condition of anonymity said that um, he was just feeling burnt out, that numerous guardians were feeling burnt out. There'd be three of them on the beat. And if there was somebody who got assaulted or robbed early on in the, um, the evening when a new shift started, that they'd have a good chance of being seen. But as the evening progressed, there'd be less chance of victims being seen, which is quite shocking really when you think about it Mm. so it was a lottery then in terms of allocation of guard resources to actual crime it it, it really just did depend upon what what time it happened so they they're basically the overall picture though that they are presenting is though seems to be a a lack of staffing and a lack of manpower lack of boots on, on on the ground is that fair enough well, the actual garden management would say to you, if you ask that question, and they've said it to me and any reporter who's asked, they know we have enough resources. And this is the part that really confuses me as a journalist and as a citizen. If you have enough resources, why is there such high levels of antisocial behaviour? But um, that is the official line that they've got enough resources. But if you go out into the city centre, you'll see there's a lack of yellow jackets on the street. It's quite visible. The Gardaí are the ones on the front line bearing the brunt here of, of, of these problems. Were the Gardaí talking to you about the, the sort of uh, abuse that they were they were facing when they when they when they confront people um going about their duty? 
there was uh, one of the guards said to me that it was it's intimidating if there's a big gang of kids who are aged from 12 to 17 say there's a gang of um, 20 of them and they're only kids and you can see how that would be intimidating if there's only you and one other officer to man that situation he admitted to me a particular guard that he didn't know you don't know if they've got weapons you don't know what's going to happen next so and you're outnumbered and if you call it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to be there on the scene in time to help you so to know that certain guards are finding that threatening I mean I find that very worrying about the state of the city you know that we've actually got guards who feel kind of um intimidated when you get into that level it's pretty apparent that something has to happen happen quick from government what about the the victims that that you you spoke to did they did they feel that they were just victims of of random attacks that there was nothing they could do about it or was this really a symptom of of living and going around the city? Well, I interviewed um, Anjala Sharma, who's um, from New Delhi in India, lovely young girl, well-educated, 24 years old. She felt that it was a random attack. She was walking through Stevens Green in July with a friend, also Indian, and they saw a kind of kerfuffle at the gates on the way out. Um, Again, a big gang teenagers from like 12 up and uh, like 20 of them and they she felt it she said to me she kind of felt something was wrong as she walked up to the gate and then they attacked them and they nearly blinded that young woman you know this is not a joke that one of the girls involved in the assault said um spoil her face you know um you might not say it's a hate crime because a hate crime as the guardian will tell you, has to be interpreted as so by the victim. But I would question why they were picked and not other people in the park. I also spoke to Graham Healy, who is a young gay man who was um, attacked in the North City when he was waiting for a Lewis with his uh, partner. And... um, They were just approached by a man who demanded money, again in his 20s, again in both situations, both um, attackers in both scenarios were drunk or high um, and uh, he threatened them and then um, he ended up punching Graham and Graham couldn't open his mouth properly the next few days and was bruised all down his face and he questioned was that a hate crime and is now worried to go out. Angel is worried to go out and she wants to leave Ireland. I mean, this is it's serious. I'd, I, I couldn't say if there was hate involved, but you would have to question. So, Anjali, outline to me what exactly happened to you and, and your friend uh, in St. Stephen's Green. Okay, so it was Monday, 19th of July at around 8.30 p.m. And we were in the Stephen's Green Park just for a walk. And we were walking, but it was so late. So the security guy came in and told us that we are about to close the park. So he was just telling everyone to leave. 
So we started to walk towards the main entrance, uh, just in front of the Stephen's Green Mall. Uh, we were just about to reach it in like two minutes, maybe. But from the back, some group of teenager, around eight to yeah, four to eight people. They were all like yeah, less than age of eighteen. They came from the back and they started punching my friend. And then yeah, so they started punching my friend. And somebody, I was having a backpack because I just came from my work and then we were there. So somebody pulled my backpack and I just like moved my head towards the right side. And somebody threw a can from right side, a can full of like drink, maybe Copperberg or something, but it was full of it. So it hit it so hard. And after that. I was in so much pain, screaming for help. So, so many people gathered around. There was a group of teen teenager too. They gathered around and tried helping us. They called the guard, the security near the park, and then we waited there for the security. They came in like ten, fifteen minutes, and then they helped us cleaning the injury. And they were with us till the guard arrived. The guard arrived in more than I think one and a half hour, and then they came to us, and then they started asking about the whole incident. We told about it, and then we asked them about the ambulance. So they said we don't work for the ambulance. It happened around eight thirty, and we were waiting there till ten o'clock, and the ambulance didn't arrive at all. So after ten o'clock, I was like, I was in so much pain. So I just said my friend that we'll just go to the hospital by our own. So we took the bus and has gone to the James Hospital in the emergency, and we waited there for four hours just to get my eye checked. And then after checking it, they gave me a reference letter to the next day to the Victoria Ear and Eye Clinic. So the next day I have gone there, and the doctor checked the eye thoroughly, and then he told me that I have a retinal bruising and it may take around like two months to get it all healed pro properly. Uh, but right now, at the moment, I can see clearly, but it's still sore. But yeah, it's not red at all. But it was all red and black for whole month. And when this happened, after the incident, for two days, two three days, I was wasn't able to like see properly. It was the blur vision. It's quite the shock that both of you of you went through. Had you heard? stories from friends of yours that, that Dublin was necessarily a dangerous place or did you did you consider it a safe city? Yes, I heard a lot of stories from my friends, even like two, three of my friends are the victim and even they got hurt like so badly and I have seen a lot of news as well and nowadays it is like increasing every second day and you cannot like, you cannot roam in the city at all. Did you get the impression that you were targeted because you weren't Irish? Oh, maybe it can be the case because like most of the time I hear the news or anything. It's mostly the other people, other nationalities. And yeah, sometimes it's Irish too, but most of the time it's different nationalities who are being attacked. How do you feel about your attackers? Do you, do you think you're going to get any justice? Have the Gardaí said that they're looking at any camera footage or anything like that of people exiting the park at that hour of the night? If there were people leaving, there, there must have been park was emptying out, there, there, there must be footage of, of the perpetrators there, or do you think your, your complaint has been taken seriously? Yeah, they told me that they're looking at the CCTVs and stuff, but most of the shops have the CCTV for inside the store and not outside the streets. So they're trying to see it, but 
just like other cases i think they won't be like doing anything because they are the teenagers and they can't do anything about it you've got an indication that hopefully the injury will have will have cleared up in another month or two maybe yeah it will be okay and i think yeah a month just just the pain has left the appearance is normal now so yeah i think it will be fine very soon and your your friend likewise yeah, he's okay too now. He's okay. But obviously yeah. the shock and the, and the memory of the incident will remain with you. Yeah, it's very scary to roam in the city. Even like two days back, somebody was fighting near to me. And I thought he is going to do something to me. And I like, you know, yelled. There's a lasting effect there. Okay. Back to Mannix Flynn, independent councillor in Dublin City Council. Mannix, the, the, the theory has been that the pandemic has caused a, a lot of these problems. Uh, the lockdown has resulted in an awful lot of people leaving the, the, the city, the confines of the, of the city centre, uh, people living in an apartments, office workers who would be in there on a daily basis. Likewise, uh, people have been unable to go into pubs and restaurants and that's brought the, the drinking out and activity out onto the streets. Do you believe that the situation will improve once society and the city itself returns to to normal, in inverted commas? I don't believe uh, that the pandemic was responsible for anything other than a kind of a legitimization of street drunkenness, a legitimization of, oh, let the youth out to play. And we saw the results of that in St. William Street. You know, the amount of assaults that took place in that street, not just to mention the uh, attack on Garda Shikano who had to draw their battens. You know, so the message is loud, loud and clear. I think also, you know, prior to this, when you had large amounts of people on our streets going about their business shopping, you didn't really notice it that much. You know what I mean? It wasn't as prevalent because you had crowds. So you won't see, you know, the the issue because there's a, a large amount of people. When you thin those out from 20 people to five people, then you notice it. So I, I don't believe that when we open up society fully, when we're back on our trains and our planes and our boats and we're going about the city without restrictions from the state, that this is going to abate. I think it is here to stay. And I love Dublin. I want to see Dublin thrive. I want to see people come here. But I, as a councillor, am committed uh, to challenging this particular process and to make it a safer place. I do not want to go into my 80s, my 70s or my 90s looking over my back thinking, I might leave Dublin or I might leave Ireland or I might go somewhere else or I might isolate myself because people are doing that, you know. They're isolating themselves. They're actually, you know, not answering the door. They're not going out and they're full of fear. And we need to change that dynamic and stand up to this situation and stand up to the reality of this. In Dáil and Finan, there are 35 to 40 policemen guarding Dáil why aren't they on the streets guarding the citizens? That's where the problems are. There's hundreds of guardy in the courts going on about licenses for public houses on a, on, a, on a monthly basis. Why aren't they on the streets? That's a situation that can be dealt easily. The guardy signed up to be on the streets. Men and women joined on Gardaí Conan to serve the public, to serve the society, and not simply to serve on Gardaí Conan. It's time they serve the people that they signed up to serve, and that's what I want to see happen. That was Dublin Independent Councillor Mannix Flynn. You also heard in this week's podcast, Anjali Sharma speaking bravely about her ordeal in Dublin City Centre, Martin Hart, CEO of the Temple Bar Company, and journalist Laura Linnett from the Irish Independent. 
I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and this week's In Focus was produced by Gordon Hayden with sound designed by John Smith. You can subscribe to In Focus wherever you get your podcasts.